0: Two. Ephesians 2, and uh, we're continuing our study in the book of Ephesus, uh, Ephesians, excuse me. Some of you might have seen some of the pictures I posted online of Ephesus. Uh, we could not get in to Ephesus while we were there because of the stuff that's going on with Turkey right now. Ephesus is in Turkey, and so uh, they would not. the ship would not go into the port there. Uh, You know, they just released a pastor from uh, Turkey here just in the last couple of weeks. They're hoping that that'll become part of the tour. And perhaps in 2020, when we go back, when we're going to take a group from the church, our plan is to go from Israel to Rome and uh, we're hoping on a cruise ship. And so uh, we're hoping that... When we do that, that Ephesus will be back open, and folks will be able to go to that and see. But you can get some of the pictures, basically, and kind of the gist of what Paul dealt with when he was uh, when he was in um, when he was in Ephesus. But Ephesians is one of the most important books that he wrote. Uh, he actually started this church. Paul did, and then he had to leave. And after he left, um, he had to. Uh, basically, he had lost connection with them for quite a while and uh, ended up about, about uh, three years later, he was able to write six years later, able to write to them and uh, communicate. You know, in our world, it's a little different for us because. Um, You know, we're so used to stuff like you. How many of you remember sending letters to people? (laughs) I mean, how long that took? You know, you'd write a letter and then you'd send the letter or you go on a trip. You do a postcard, you mail it to people. And now we don't even fool around with that. I mean, everything's instant, right? They can send you an email, text. Uh, Most of us are really into texting. Uh, I can send you a picture of where I am right now on the other side of the world. I could be on, you know... Uh, You know, Raphael was over in China. He's sending pictures back to us, uh, you know, the things that are instantly happening. So it's a little difficult for us to understand how long it took for this information to get to people. And it wasn't like they could just hop on a boat and they were there. It took long periods of time. And uh, in actually over in the where we were at on the Mediterranean, you can't even travel on the Mediterranean right now. Uh, because uh, this is the season and Paul, they actually tried to travel during this time when the winds are so high, the waves and the, the water is so bad that it actually, this is when ships go down. And of course, Paul, the ship Paul was on, if you read the book of Acts, their ship did go down. Fortunately, the time of year that we went and the time of year that we will go in 2020, um, it will be calm seas. Praise the Lord. amen. So people ask, well, will I get seasick if I'm on a boat? Doubtful. It's doubtful. Sharon, she gets seasick. She gets nauseous riding in a car. So uh, if she didn't get sick one day, didn't take any medicine, she did fine. It's a big boat. Ship, excuse me. Ephesians 2, verse 1, and you hath he quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins? Someone said that all of chapter one was God taught, was all about what God did for us. Now He begins to tell us what what God wants to have happen in our lives and how we should respond to it. And you hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead, if you want to put a definition by death here, you know, because we think about death, you know, we see something that's totally inactive. The word death means separation. And you and I were separated from God. Mankind was separated from God. Because he was separated from God, even though he had interaction with God, because obviously the Old Testament is full of interactions with God, and God had interactions with man, but man could not comprehend because his heart was still caught up into the sin. And so everything that God tried to do, listen to me, Everything that God tried to do because of sin, man corrupted. Regardless, it didn't make a difference. Even though it was pure when God gave it, man worked his hardest to destroy it, to corrupt it, to make it bad. It, It just was his very nature, and we'll see that here in the next verses. And so it tells us that you he made alive, he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses, and sins these two words trespasses and sins are really interesting words the first one trespass is the greek word parapatoma and what it means is where we should have stood up we actually laid down okay it means that we deviated from what we should have done that's what mankind does is that where we should stand up we lay down we don't we don't go forward and it says it's it's different Because it's different than just that I laid down because I couldn't help it. No, it's I laid down because I chose to lay down. I chose to do what I'm doing. Uh, One of the best ways to look at this, you have to have a little bit of sports background with this. Uh, So if you don't, I apologize for that. But when you play in a basketball game or in a football game, they have what's called a foul. Okay. Um, You know, a penalty, they call it in, I think in hockey and they call it a penalty in uh, football. And so when you have that happen in a basketball game, you know, it means that you were playing the game and you did something that you shouldn't have done, but regardless of whether you meant to do it or you didn't mean to do it, it was a foul and there is a penalty towards you for making that foul, okay? So usually what it means is either the team, one, you get a mark against you and that goes on the list and you only get five in the, is it still five in high school? I can't remember. Uh, it's five. You get five fouls, and I think in co- what is it pros? It's six, maybe or yeah. six six fouls. Now, in in football, when there's a when there's a penalty, uh, depending on the level of that penalty, there are yardage that's given to the other team because of what you did, or you could be ejected from the game. Now here's the, here's where this word peripatoma to take it to the deeper meaning of what it's really all about in basketball. You can have a foul, which means it was an incident that happened. Though you didn't intend for it to happen, that's what happened. The word peripatoma, it means in the Greek language that it was a flagrant foul. Now, a flagrant foul means that you knew what you were doing and you intended to do it. So if you've ever been at a ball game, you know, and you see this kid going for a layup and someone touches them as they're going in and the ref calls a foul, that's one thing. A flagrant foul is when the guy was going in for a shot. The guy wasn't going for the ball. He just tackled the guy. All right? It didn't happen accidentally. He made a choice to take the guy out. Now, I won't tell you all my bad stories with that that I've done because there are plenty of them. But it's a flagrant foul. Okay? It's a flagrant foul. You know, the if you watch college and it's real frustrating right now because flagrant would be the targeting issue they're dealing with. Of course, nobody knows what targeting is in football right now, but they call it an awful lot. I mean, it's like every, you're like, what the heck? That's the way they taught us to tackle in, in football, but, but they call it targeting and they throw guys out of games for it now because it's considered that you were trying to hurt the other individual. When you and I, When we peripatoma, when he says that we were dead in our trespasses in our peripatoma, it means that we were flagrantly making a decision in our life to do the wrong thing. We we decided this, all right. We didn't like we didn't like accidentally become adulterers. We didn't accidentally become fornicators. We didn't accidentally become a drunk. We didn't accidentally become a dopehead. We chose to go that direction. We knew where we were going. We knew what was happening. And yet we still decided to move that direction. When we told a lie, we knew we told a lie. We might have told ourselves another lie to make it okay to tell that lie. To justify the lie. But we knew we lied. When we stole... We knew we were stealing. It didn't belong. Now, we may tell ourselves another lie so that we try to make stealing okay in our lives, right? But it's still stealing. It is a flagrant decision, a peripatoma. It is a trespass. And it's that you decided that that's what you're going to do. And the root of it and the nature of it is rebellion. It's just flat out. I knew I shouldn't do that, but I went ahead and did it anyways. And did it anyways. So the other word that's here is the word he says, trespasses and sins. The word sin there is the Greek word harmatia. And harmatia means it's kind of like the other idea that, you know, uh, what we talked about is you weren't trying to do it, but it still happened. Okay. So you weren't trying to foul, but you still fouled. And so that does still happen. That happens to all kinds of players. And that happens in our lives. We're trying to do the right thing. I maybe at least could say that you've tried to do right, but still done wrong, even though you didn't intend to, right? Before you knew it, you're in trouble, all right? So that's what harmatia is about. It actually means in the Greek language to shoot an arrow at a target and miss the target, to fall short of the target. So we have two kinds of things in our lives, two kinds of things in our lives that we deal with. We deal with peripatoma, which is that we choose to flagrantly, you know, to do the wrong thing. And then we have what's called harmatia, which is that we weren't trying to do the wrong thing. And we ended up doing the wrong. We ended up doing the wrong thing anyways. And that does happen. So here's the good news. Even though both of those things happen in all of our lives, he made us alive anyways. He made us alive anyway. Isn't that awesome? That God in his goodness, he decided to make us alive anyways. And it says in verse two, he says, where in the times past you, he's talking about all of us walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in, um, in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Now I'm going to stop there with that because uh, verse five, we can get into that another next week. But I want to just really focus on this thing that he tells us here that there are three contributors here that contribute to our separation from God. Okay. There are three contributors here. Number one is trespasses and sins. We were dead in those. Okay, so we've done a lot talking about that. Number two is found in verse two, where it says that the course of this world, the course of this world, um, the word "world" here is the word uh, is the Greek word "cosmos." So it's not just talking about Earth; it's talking about a world system. Okay. So, there is a world system, and it says that, "Look what happens in not uh, with us, and what separates us from God is is that we have given in not only to trespasses and sins but because that exists in the world, we give in our cosmos in our universe, we give in to that, and we walk according to the ways of the world, okay, for example, the way of the world is." If you, uh, you know, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, that's how the world functions. So you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back, all right? Paybacks. Paybacks. But see, that is not the nature of God. That is not how God functions. That is the course or the way of this world. The course of this world is that if it feels good, do it. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. That's just not something we hippies believed. It's the course of this world. It's like, it's the whole attitude of the Epicureans that said, eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Let's have a blast. Come on, life's a party. Live for the weekend. Thank God it's Friday, right? Unless you're like me, a workaholic, you say, thank God it's Monday. But see, the thing is, is there's a course of the world. And this is what we see. We see it, you know, so much in, in what's happening in the people are all freaked out about what's going on in the United States. You know, the divisions. OK, look, I've been here for 60 years. There's been divisions in the United States for a long time. OK. I mean, look, the, you know, people said, well, you know, these bad riots. And OK, so in the 70s, we had Jerry Rubin in Kent State and people were going nuts, man. They were—they had to close all of Kent down where i we lived right by there, shut the whole city down and put National Guard everywhere. And of course, then they end up doing something crazy and picking off a couple of students, which then just escalated. Does anybody remember any of this? I mean, so look, don't tell me that. Look, divisions have, this course of the world has been around a long time. It didn't just start when Trump became president. Now, everybody will try to make it that that's what it's about. It didn't just happen when Obama became president or when Bill Clinton did or Bush did or look, there's been people haters and people mad at each other and saying nasty stuff for a long, long, long time. You go back to Andrew Jackson. I mean, that's, I'm sure, before most of you. <laughs> there are a few I wonder about, but, the, but most of you. Uh, but anyways, you know, the, the hate that was against him for what he, what he was doing. And, and Abraham Lincoln was a hated man. And they assassinated him. So, you know, for us, this is the course of the world. But here's the, here's the thing, and what, we, what we've got to realize, even though that's the way we did walk, that's not the way we're supposed to walk. That's a world system. So there are three conti- contributors to our separation from God. One is trespasses and sin. One is the course of this world. And then the last one, I guess I'm out of time, but uh, so moving right along. The third is, and you'll hate this one, you're going to hate it, and that's in verse 3. And among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So three things, trespasses, and sins, course of the world, and the lust of our flesh. Flesh, yuck. And I mean, when we talk about this, we're not just talking about that something you want, something that you lust after. You know, have you ever watched, this is in the, uh, you know, I know we all think our kids are born perfect. You know, there's this Rousseauian philosophy that, and it's out there in the world right now that says that, uh, that children are born perfect. There's nothing, that, that if we could just leave them alone, they'd find their own way and they'd do it right. Because their thinking's perfect, their ways are perfect. Uh, l- excuse me. Have you ever watched kids? (laughs) I mean, I have seven grandkids. All right. So let's just take when Shayla and Mason were little. Shayla and Mason are at my house, and they're playing with a toy. I can tell you that the minute that Shayla picked the toy up, that's the one Mason wanted. And I mean, he didn't just want it. He wanted it really bad. In fact, he wanted it so bad he would look for leverage to take her out so he could get the toy from her. (laughs) Now, that's not stuff you have to teach children. It's in their nature. And the only thing, the only, I mean, you may not want to hear this, but the only way to get that out of their life is discipline. Now, I don't care how you decide to discipline. That's, you know, between you and your, your master. But I'm going to tell you this. There's only one way to get it out. You say, well, they'll grow out of it. Baloney, it'll get worse. If you don't address bad behavior, it just gets worse. If they think it's okay, the next thing, you know, and I mean, Mason, he's not in here, is he? Uh, But when he was little, (laughs) when he was little, he got into punching. I mean, you remember that? I mean, we had to like really, him and his parents, his parents and us, we had to work really hard. Because I mean, if he wanted something and you didn't do what he wanted, he'd take a swing at you. And that, that. That's not a good thing. You can't go, well, He'll, you know, eventually he'll figure it out. Listen, duh, you're the parent, okay? You're the grandparent. This is bad behavior. We don't throw temper tantrums. We do not hit each other. We do not take stuff from each other. We share. We get along. We all play nice. Amen. We don't say mean things to each other like I hate you. Uh, those are behaviors that have to be corrected. Now, everybody agree with that? Oh, well, since you're on board with that, discipline is the only way to deal with that, then that same is true for you. Wait, that's a trap. Yeah, that's a trap. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? You're like, but see, that's the thing is, is that what we have to recognize is the only way out of where we're at is through discipline. The lust of the flesh, you can't, you can't kill off the lust of the flesh. You can only discipline it out of your life. Right? You can only discipline it out. And so you have to do stuff that you don't want to do because that's what discipline is. Well, I'm glad I'm getting a couple amens here. So, see, in verse 4, in verse 4, I know you want me to quit. I get it. Verse 4, but God, see, Paul doesn't leave it. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. So what is God's response to your trespasses and sins? What is God's response to you following the course of the cosmos or the world? What is God's response to the lust of the flesh in your life? God's response is grace. Now, grace, someone said, is God reaching out to us. Faith is you reaching back to God. It's how you and I respond to the nature and the heart of God. So how does God respond to our trespasses and sins. He responds to our trespasses and sins with justification. Justification. Now, I can tell you probably most of us don't use that word in our spiritual jargon, talk about justification. But it's an extremely important word. Now, we'll talk about the word forgiveness, but remember that when you talk about forgiveness, you're just talking about something that was forgave. Forgiveness is different than justification. Justification. Because justification is, someone said, it's like being justified. It means just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never justified. Justification says that God didn't just forgive your sins, He justified you. See, this is the bad bill of goods the church has been sold because we think that he just forgave our sins. He did not forgive our sins. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. Old things, how old? I mean, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, what God looks at you as is is that it is just as if you were never that pervert. It is just as if you were never that liar. It is just as if you were never any of those things that you allow the enemy to. To tell you that you are. The enemy will say, you are a failure. You are a disappointment. You are. Look, here's the thing. What God says is is that, no, you are not, because through Christ I have brought justification to you. And justification means not only have you been forgiven for what you've done, not only has the penalty been taken away for what you did, but I no longer account any of that against you. Against you. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through all of these, but, I, but I'll, I'll, I'll take you to a, a, great, uh, a great story with this. Many of you have heard me talk about as a child you know that I was sexually molested multiple times by a neighbor, young neighbor man that was 18 years old. I was an eight, nine-year-old kid. Now, for years, this sat inside of me. And I was a Christian, believer, loved God, but it's still, if you've ever been through something like that, and I pray to God that no one ever has to go through that, but it does stick with you. It becomes, It affects the way that you look at you. It affects the way that you look at people. It affects the way you look at life, and it definitely affects the way you look at God. And what it does in our lives, and why it's so difficult, is is that it creates this thing called shame. And shame is a terrible thing, because shame makes you hide. You know, that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They sinned. What did they do? They were ashamed, and they told God, we were ashamed, and we hid ourselves because we were naked, right? So they're ashamed of what they did and that, they just, that now they know they're trapped, they're, they're caught in this. So I had gone through that and Sharon and I, we got married. Sharon knew about this. I had talked to her. I think I had probably talked to one other person my whole life about this and really kept it buried. And, uh, and, 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 and of course, God knew about it and I knew it was always there and it really did affect how you know I felt about myself. And so one day we were having a church service I go to the altar to pray with this guy who's in our church, and he's an American Indian. He's a big guy. Joe was his name, actually. Big, uh, big Joe. And I went up to the altar with Joe and just knelt down and put my hand on his back, and immediately I was not there anymore. Now, this is really wild. I'm not there anymore. I'm like, whoa. I'm in. But here's the thing. You think, oh, did you go up into the expanse of heaven and see the great glory? You know, that's not what happened. Because you know where I was at? I was in that room with that kid. Now watch this. I'm in that room with that kid, that 18-year-old boy. I see myself as an 8- or 9-year-old there on the bed. And I look to my left, and Jesus is standing there. Now listen, this will teach you something about your God. I see Jesus there. And you know what my response was? Lord, I don't want to be here, and I definitely don't want you here. And the Lord looked at me and He said, Richard, this doesn't make any difference to me. And when I came back like that, I'm back in the I'm back at the altar. I don't know how long I was gone. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what was going on. But all of a sudden, I'm back at the altar. And when I got up, I testified to the whole church about what just happened because here's what here's what changes in your life. See when all of a sudden I knew with my God that it didn't matter to him. Guess what? I don't care whether it matters to you because my creator accepts me unconditionally and no longer was I ashamed. And you know, my parents actually, it's kind of sad but my parents had never heard about this until I preached it one time in the pulpit. My dad heard it for the first time, and so did my mom. And, uh, and they were like, oh my gosh, son, we're so sorry. I said, don't be sorry, because that guy no longer is around. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. See, what the enemy wants to do in our life, and, and, and like I said, I apologize, I'm going a little longer than I met, but, but look, what the enemy wants to do is to say, no, what you did is who you are. Right. And what God says, what I did is who you are. I right. get this right. Your adversary will spend all your life saying, what you did is who you are. You're a divorcee. You're a pervert. You're a drunk. You're a, a druggie. You're a, you got a record. You got this. You got this wrong. You're, you're a fornicator. You're all these things, labels, everything to keep you in condemnation. To keep you ashamed. And as a shackle, that shame will hold you back. But what I want you to know today, you listen to a a seeker just like you. What I learn is in God's presence, I'm justified. I'm justified. And when I am justified, it's like I'm not even talking about me anymore. I'm not even talking about me. You say, "Well, I don't know how. I don't know how you can, how you can even, how could you tell people all of that stuff?" Because listen, that guy is dead and gone, and this guy is living the new life. Now, I hear the Lord saying this: How long, how long are you going to allow what happened to you, what you went through, to steal? to kill and destroy you. Do not let your past define you. Let your scriptures define you. Because look, by grace, by the grace of God, something you can't earn, right? See, this is a really powerful thing about God, and I really got to stop. But listen, this is so cool, man. I I hope you get this. If anything, you, you get this part. Most religions teach, most religions that are out there, teach that, okay, you come to God and you work real hard and you earn the favor of God, right? That's what most religions teach. I don't, Islam, forms of Christianity, all those things, uh, levels of enlightenment and Buddhism, all those things teach that you got to do the work to get to a point that you can receive back the reward. God, Jesus, see, what Jesus does is he says, look, you don't got to do any of the work. You don't got to do any of the work. I did the work. Now, you'll have to do the, I don't have, we'll deal with this next week. You've got to deal with the work of your flesh because it'll still try to tell you, no, 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 that's not who you are. You have to make that thing get, you've got to discipline it just like you do your kids. You've got to make that, shut up. I don't say that to anybody here. I mean, just t- talking to the flesh, right? Shut up. I know some of you think I have Tourette's when you see me walking around places like I'm yelling out stuff or, or in the pulpit. But sometimes your flesh will say really nutty stuff to you. And you know what you need to re- Shut up. You have no power over me. You have no authority over my life. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. My past does not define me. You have no control over me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I wish I could get a good amen. See, the only reason I'm going longer is because you're not amen and loud. Yeah. So what happens in our life is we get into that place in our lives where we realize I'm justified. Wow. We hardly ever hear about that in the church anymore. Justification. Now it's by faith that I have to receive it. That's the that's the challenge. But justification. Am I so who am I? I'm justified, which means justice has been served, my penalty has been paid, and it's just as if I'd never sinned. Now, some people have asked me before, well, why did Jesus take you to that room? But see, that's where we don't understand Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, okay, I'm going to stand over in this pure place and take you there. Jesus says, I'm going to go into the filthiest places of your life, the filthiest places of your past, and I'm going to show you that I've completely and absolutely forgiven you of all those things that you are not that person anymore. Don't let the devil tell you that anymore. Don't let your flesh tell you that. Don't let your adversary tell you that. Look, I'm a totally transformed change. I can't tell you how much change that brought in my life when I went through this experience in my life. No shame. No shame. Hallelujah. Stand up with me, please. Wow. So much to say. Grace responds with justification. Before we pray, I want to read this one passage to you because I just think this is, this really says it all. And this is, if you're keeping notes, you're studying along with me, Romans chapter 5, and this is out of verse 15. But not as the offense or the sin, so also as the free gift. For if through the offense of one... Many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sin, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by that one, Much more. Everybody say much more. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You were created, and the one translation amplified it says of this, shall reign as kings in this life. See what it changes in our life when we realize it's justification, not just forgiveness. I'm a different person. And even though I'm in the world, I'm not of the world. So I'm not going to play the games of the world. I'm not going to get caught up in all the junk that the world's trying to do. I'm justified. And I'm not going to be held bondage in bondage to something that happened in my life 52 years ago. 52 years ago. But the same is true for you, my friend. It could have happened five minutes ago, 52 minutes ago. It could have happened five years ago. It could have happened 10 years ago. Brad brought it up. I saw, I mean, I, I knew he was right on when he said it. I was the anointing, man. See, when we let for unforgiveness, you're not reigning as a king. You're not sitting at the table you're supposed to be at. You're falling into the course of this world. And God never intended for that to happen. You said, what well, more do I got to do? Pastor, tell me what to do. Just lay hands on me. It'll all go away. Come back next week. <laughs> Bow your heads with me, please. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I make a declaration. Lord, we do not make light in any way of anyone's past. Lord, we know it's real trauma. Oh, my goodness. The shame and the pain of the past can sometimes be so daunting, Lord God, that it affects and influences everything in our life. Betrayal and frustration, Lord God, and and, and, and and just the guilt that overwhelms. But Father, right now, your Holy Spirit, just as real to me today as it was so many years ago, that same Holy Spirit is in this building right now. Your presence, Lord, your presence, hallelujah, brings absolute peace. Your presence, Lord God, brings joy forevermore. Justification brings joy. Father, I pray right now. I'm going to ask while heads are bowed, and please do not scan the camera uh, around the room. I would appreciate that. Just keep it on me. But I'm just going to ask while. Well, heads are bowed. If you say, pastor, there, there's just something in my life right now that I know uh, I really need, I need freedom from that. I'm not calling you up here. I'm not asking you to declare it publicly. I'm just asking you, you're saying, look, pastor, there's something in my life. I, whatever that is, just lift a hand up where I can see it, please. All over the building. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This thing is, it's a, it, for some of you is a shameful thing that's in your life. That's just really eating up at you. Look, this. just, as you respond, I believe you're lifting your hand into the heavens. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, Lord God, I pray for those who have their hand lifted up. Lord God, I thank you that you're a good, good Savior. You're a good, good Father, Lord God. You don't just forgive us and Lord, you justify us. And so I make a bold declaration of faith by justification over these people, Lord God, that have their hand lifted up. Lord, that they will see themselves supernaturally in a dream, Lord, in a vision, that they'll see it, Lord God, uh, in an open vision, Lord, in in just a time as they're waiting on you. They will see, Lord, how you truly see them. And I thank you for that, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that they will come through that moment in their life, Lord, and it will be as different as walking from night to day. They will all of a sudden be able to experience true joy, true love, true freedom, Lord God, true peace, true understanding, and truly be able to walk by the faith that you've given to them. And I declare that over them right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to lift your hands up to heaven, everybody in the house right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, impartation by your Holy Spirit into the lives of every person here, Lord God. Impartation right now into their soul, in the name of Jesus. Breathe, O breath of God, upon each one of these, Lord God, that has their hands lifted to you that they might truly experience the grace of and the goodness of what you have done for them. In Jesus' name, all those agreed said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Get out of here.